You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Mel. Now, do you like Melissa or Mel? Um, I kind of go with both. I'm recently started to become a Mel rather than a Melissa. Does it make you feel older? It does. <laughs> I don't quite feel as young as I used to, but I'm going with it. I feel like Robbie's a bit of a child name, but it's been something I've always been called. So it's actually, I enjoy it when during a conversation, someone actually says my name. Like I know most of the time on my screen, it says like out of the blank podcast. So then people look at it and they go, Mr. Blank, or they'll just like, won't say anything. And I'm like, oh, I just, it loses that connectivity. But when you can say somebody's name to somebody, I don't know, it just brings a little bit more value to it. It does. It's really interesting how nicknames also evolve out of things. My parents don't call me Mel. My mom absolutely hates it when I do get called Mel. Um, she resents that I now go by that nickname, especially with the like career that I want to go down. Um, she most prefers me being called Lissa, but no one ever calls me that. So <laughs> picking the ending syllables on that one, Lissa. Now, what? So if you if you say it kind of like for your job, for instance, what what is that, and why would your name affect that? So I do a couple of different jobs, but mainly I work as a student ambassador for my university. So I work at Macquarie University, which is in Sydney. Um, I'm actually Camilla's ex-student. Um, and part of my job is going to high schools and talking to kids about uh, potential careers that they could go into, uh, trying to get their heads around uni and what's classes like, as well as also what's the experience that I've experienced and how I came into the degree that I want to do. Um, so it's easier for kids in between the ages of like 16 to 18 to call me Mel because they feel more connected to me because it's a nickname rather than my full name. Um, my full name it feels quite formal when I'm talking to a kid and I'm like, hi, I'm Melissa. What degree do you want to do? Whether it's, hey, I'm Mel. What are you interested in? Just seems a lot more approachable, at least when I'm talking to teenagers. <laughs> Yeah, it's like vibes. Like, I don't like being called Robert. When someone calls me Robert, it's the only time anybody's ever called me that as if I was being yelled at. So, like, this just happened the other day. Someone in my work that knows my name's Robbie just always goes, Robert, and said it to me. I was like, don't say that ever. Don't ever, ever, ever call me. That. And it's it's just, it's a different vibe. And that makes sense because if you're called Melissa to kids, they're going to look up to you. Rather than if you say Mel, then they treat you like a friend. You just got to make sure you draw the line to where they're not like, hey, want to go get drunk later? You're like, hang on a second. I'm still teaching you guys <laughs> it's yeah it was a big part of like when we first started when I first started this job a big part of it was we had to be aware of the relationships we were establishing with the students because some of them are obviously of legal age so we had to be really hyper aware especially the ones who were younger um, in the team just how we connected with the students because a lot of the times people would hit on you or like ask for your personal social media and that just like isn't okay for us because it's a professional work boundary that's kind of weird though. Like if you're talking about like in a science setting that someone's just trying to pick up somebody, unless you're in chemistry, because that's kind of like, Oh, Kim, but it just does like, here's the thing is like, 
especially when you're trying to educate kids on going to school. Now, I have a strong opinion about this because I think school is needed, much like religion is in an aspect, but I also think it's like a buffer. A lot of times we see people that go to school and they necessarily don't even use their degree. I mean, I went to school for general education, but I took chemical dependency, got my certificates in that, and then psychology too, but I didn't go for like a bachelor's or a master's in psychology. I just ended up stopped doing it. And now I work at a fucking gym. Now necessarily doesn't mean I'm in the best situation in my life, no, but I'm pretty fucking happy, but I just feel like it's a great buffer to figure out what you want to do. I know plenty of friends that have went to school for, you know, psychology degrees or uh, geology or something, and then they just end up doing something completely different, like a trade job, because necessarily school is this, it used to be a thing where it's like, it's great to have on a resume, but I mean, now you could have like popular YouTuber and people would just be like, oh my God, you're freaking hired. You know what I mean? So, because you're based in America, aren't you? Yes. It's so different because over here, we have a separate um, schooling system for people who want to go into trades. So we have what we call TAFE, at least in New South Wales. Um, and so if you want to go down like the trading route where you want to be like a carpenter or um, I'm from a big family of metal engineers. So my whole family went down the TAFE route and I'm the first in my family to go to university. It's just the parallels between the two worlds is very confusing especially for young Australians to kind of wrap their heads around um and where I'm from originally in my area it's a lower socioeconomic um kind of situation so doing trades and skills is almost kind of shoved down our throat and university really isn't an option that's super talked about which is an interesting contrast to kind of like People that you know who are like, they'll do college first and then go into a trade, which is almost the complete opposite for us. People will normally go into a trade first and then maybe down the university route if that's something that they're interested in later in life. So it feels like a very kind of different social parallel. I took a trade school, so I didn't have to, because we call it trade school down here, which is HVAC, car mechanics, carpentry, all those. I took it just so I didn't have to take Spanish, but then I ended up not really doing anything with it because I just hated it. I just didn't want to take Spanish class. And I think like when I see friends now that are graduating, like getting a doctor's degree or something like that, it's a different feeling than I guess in the middle of like my, I guess, educational schooling, there was just a bunch of changes. Like math wasn't really a necessity as much as it used to be back in the day. And then also being a college graduate, you saw a bunch of people doing things without a college degree and becoming successful from it. I don't know if that's the age of the influencer where you're seeing people that like drop out of high school and then there's somehow this huge billionaire or something like that. But the idea that when I see somebody graduate now, there's just an empty feeling to it. I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. I mean, but what are you doing? Well, I got a job that's going to set me for life. I'm like, but does it make you happy? Well, it's a good job. I'm like, well, you got to be fucking happy, man. That's what I talk about with students. So like my big mission statement when I'm talking to like high schoolers is if you're not doing something that you're passionate about, then why are you doing it at all? Because you're going to spend so much fucking money at university. <laughs> you're going to lose like genuine mental stability. The amount of times that my friends and I have messaged each other, stress out of our minds over a thesis that we have to do is very unhealthy. Um, but I like tell students all the time, I'm like, if you're not doing something you're interested in, or if you're just doing something because you got the good enough marks for it, then you're not going to fucking succeed in it. You're just going to be cruising along hoping for the best and like employers will recognize that as well like it's so obvious when you're talking to someone who is just there for like the credentials of something versus someone who is genuinely passionate because I haven't come across it in archaeology because 
much to the stereotype, archaeology isn't a lot of money. Um, <laughs> something I'm really passionate about, but it isn't like a lot of money. So I don't really come across people who are like not interested in pursuing kind of that pathway. Why do you think they cut the funding on archaeology? Like, I know that was a big push for that. And I know it's got to be a hot button topic, but I'm trying to, I've been trying to think about this for like the past week because um, I've been really like reaching out to a lot of people in archaeology. I'm hoping to talk to more people about this and get their perspectives on it. Is it the pandemic? Like, did they just feel like that was a great way to like cut that out? Kind of like band class gets cut out of a lot of shit. And it's like, that's kind of where I'm pulling from it. I don't know if it's something different because there's no way that anybody could have it up in their head that we've discovered every single thing that there, this earth has that might be lost civilizations or whatever. There's no possible way. It's a really interesting thing. And it's something that so many people struggle with. Um, genuinely, like a component of it is, gosh, it's kind of like, so Save Sheffield was this massive movement that recently happened where the Sheffield University Department completely axed their archaeology department. And there was massive petitions that kind of happened out of it. And essentially the kind of line that a lot of archaeologists were saying was, archaeologists is one of the fields that desperately needs people. But because of the inaccessibility with money afterwards, getting that degree and degrees are so expensive, a lot of people just find it inaccessible. And it's something that happens commonly with history. History is such an elitist kind of degree and uh, like element of society to kind of go down that if you don't already have a lot of funds, it's almost impossible to really sustain yourself and to really kind of set your feet down, even in the sphere of like um, cultural heritage protection, which is a very important element for preserving uh, local like indigenous and first nations peoples, uh, like land and culture, or just even looking at how a country interacted with other cultures. It, people just don't see the importance in it anymore because they're just kind of like, well, no one's interested in doing it. But the problem is, is like a lot of us are shoved down a pathway where we have to do a high paying job to survive, especially with like raised living costs. Like Sydney, I think is like one of the seventh most expensive cities to live in. Um, and it, my rent is so high for no really good reason. I'm not excessively close to the city by any means. Um, I'm, I live in like near a business park. It's just so excessively high. And that's kind of the problem. It's just so inaccessible to be able to study and live and pay rent. And then also like go down archeology, span especially when like most of the general population is just very uneducated on what actually archeology span is. That's just another problem is like people see people not knowing what it is and not understanding what it is. And so in their minds, they're like, well, there's no point in pushing funds for it if we're not getting high enough enrollments for it. And so they just cut like departments. Um, COVID was definitely a problem. I think in my, oh, we definitely lost a lot of people. My university offered voluntary redundancies last year during COVID when the first couple of lockdowns happened for us. A lot of staff took that. Um, voluntary redundancies was still available this year. And so more staff took it um, after semester one of this year for us. So it's also that's coupled with it. It's like we're losing staff who drag in new students as well. I originally didn't start in archaeology. I did a Bachelor of Laws in Economics first. Um, and then I transferred into archaeology. And without the teacher that I had, I definitely wouldn't be in the degree that I am now. But we don't have that teacher anymore. Uh, he's left and moved on to greater things, but it's now created a divide where it's like people who are potentially interested in first year who are doing the classes and electives 
now can't get that super drawer in unless they get an exceptionally good lecturer, but we're losing lecturers and those lecturers are overworked and you can just see on their faces because they feel so defeated on Zoom. And as a student, it really does affect the mood on how you're learning. I do a class called Minus and Mycenaean and I feel absolutely horrible with the amount of black screens that I see on Zoom. And my teachers genuinely like look like they're struggling and I feel so upset that there's nothing we can really do because we're currently in a prolonged lockdown again because our cases are like hitting the thousands every single day, which is very large for where we are. Australia, um, yeah. Australia, which we went from like zero cases for like three months to like racking in like a thousand in like a couple of weeks. Yeah. So it's a lot of things coupled with that. And then also just like the government doesn't give a shit. They say they do but it doesn't feel like it sometimes. I think I think that's like that probably everywhere. There's some people that have themselves tricked or believing that, oh, the government's doing everything they possibly I'm like, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're not even doing anything close. Um, I think it's also the evolution of the times. When I was in school, I thought like psychology at this point, like therapists being those types of things, that was a rare thing. Not really rare. Like I'm only 23. So this is like, what, four or five years ago, um, especially when I went to college, just maybe three years ago. It wasn't like a it wasn't a great known thing to be like everyone wanted to go to school to be a therapist. That was not what it was. It was like doctors and surgeons and all these kind of ones that they heard that you would get like $100 an hour. And it's like I remember when I started realizing it was more normal towards like the when I was leaving college was I would start asking people like, oh, what'd you go to uh, college for? Usually you get somebody that would be like, I went for, you know, uh, architect or I went for this, this and they would list off something. But everyone was saying psychology. And I'm like, am I just in this weird shift or a weird thing where everyone I'm running into is psychology? And you start to realize it's the times mental health is now being more known and becoming a more common thing. So then more people are who want want to help out, want to go into psychology just to help people. That's why I went to chemical dependency first was because in my area, there's a lot of people dying of opioid overdoses. I knew like six or seven people died in a year from just opioids. So I was like, well, let's go here. Let's learn a little bit. Let's see if we can maybe I want to help people. I don't want friends of mine dying or anybody, you know, dying of opioids. And um, I think archaeology is just one of those things where you you know, I think you put it best where it's like you, a lot of people don't understand what it is. Um, the only thing I can think of to fix it is have a good fucking Tomb Raider movie come back where everyone's like, that's archaeology. And they just start going into it. But it's like, when I was thinking about this, I was like, what would like a couple things I wanted to talk to you about. I was like, what I talk about why you got interested in archaeology and you start to realize like, well, then there's paleontology. She can't be interested in dinosaurs, but it's kind of like finding something or unlocking more secrets to our own history in a way as well too which is kind of like the main thing i started to realize a little bit about archaeology as i talked to more people um a lot of these people you know you can mix archaeology with paleontology you can mix it with egyptology because everything that they think of at least when i think of archaeology is just a hammer and then a shovel where it's like you're digging and that's what it is but it's that is somewhat true but it's also going to excavation sites and also looking for remnants of maybe lost history which i think is important which sadly is not in the eyes of society at least in the states because more people are about tearing away history or forgetting history and trying to move past it you know you see people dig up something about christopher columbus and instead of looking at it through like an anthropologist lens where they're like well that was back then it's not now we're glad we don't think like that anymore everyone's like no every person that's from his area or whatever country he's from needs to die. 
it's like, hang on a second. We can't be doing that. But that's kind of the times because I think this is one great time in society, all societies, kind of the world where there's a human empathy factor, but we misplace it on so many occasions. A like on social media is not empathy talking to your friend when you could literally count on one hand how many friends that you would cry to or talk to and they would console you that dopamine rush or that feeling after you release yourself and they calm you down they're like hey man your life is important that feels good somebody on social media that doesn't fucking know you that lives 10 countries away putting up a thing like nice picture it's like thanks it's not the same thing it's kind of false in a way and i think I don't know. I, I think we're going to hit this like stride where it's going to be, it's going to start getting a lot better, but when it comes to science or when it comes to education or anything like that, nobody wants to hear that shit anymore. I see, I follow so many academics that are like, there's just a big problem with the education system. Like, cause they're teaching you there. A lot of these kids are indoctrinated that their country is a fucking racist pile of shit. And I'm like, that's not true. It's it's there's good people. There's great people, amazing people. And the world is beautiful, but they're like, no, fuck it. And like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm hoping it takes a shift around, but I think it comes from an educational understanding and people like yourself or other academics that are able to talk with more people. It's just a human empathy factor. I've talked to some academics that talk to me like I'm 10 feet below them. And I'm like, we're all this, we're people, right? We're the same age. You went to a school and got a degree. I have four degrees hanging on my fucking wall. Three of them are from a fake religion. So don't, you know what I mean? Like I start to look at like, we're just people. And I think the expansive realm of thought is that when you start having more conversations with people, you start having a more of a rationalization that we're all kind of diving down different journeys and pathways. And I think that's important because if we can talk about those different pathways and journeys, the differences, you start to see more understanding and compassion and you get to a deeper level of conversation where you actually feel charged afterwards. Hmm. You touched a lot on human empathy. And I think it's actually what I'm currently writing my undergraduate thesis on right now. I'm looking at how we interpret funerary remains, specifically like burials how we as archaeologists have kind of objectified the human body and how we kind of view um, human remains as like this object to be analyzed and to be understood when in reality it's a human. Um, and I think that's what a lot of academia is kind of missing nowadays is there's such a lack of human element to a lot of things, especially within research when like looking at things. And this isn't to say all academia is like this or all like kind of research that's coming out nowadays is lacking this kind of perspective. There is a lot of really good research happening right now, but it's just that research is just not getting over the line to be like accessible to the general public. Like another problem with like the like lack of human empathy is just how people react to things is so fascinating to me. Um, like- I get angry, I get angry. So frustrating. Um, it's, it's, like it's but I get angry in a fun way. When I rant, it's pretty good. <laughs> when I get angry, I just like get like frustrated and I like send a message to my friends and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Mm. And like most of my friends that I have don't do archaeology or history. They have like a basic knowledge of like history and archaeology and they know what I tell them. Um, but when I get angry about this type of stuff, they're just like, okay, Mel, <laughs> you can rant. This is a yeah. space for you to rant. But like they just don't understand how like infuriating it is. And I... It's, it's something that I really want to do in academia is I want to push for change and I want to push 
for more like empathy and human like compassion is just so weird so like something that recently happened with my university literally like it popped up on my twitter timeline like today um is the fact that our penalties were raised from two percent for late submissions and assignments to ten percent and it got raised specifically starting this semester which started in like end of july kind of thing um for context we went into like harsh lockdown as of end of june so we were already a month into lockdowns when we started the semester and we've just been operating the semester completely online um and there's still 10 percent daily like submission late submission rates and a lot of the discourse that's currently happening is like oh well like other academic um degrees are like 20 percent and i'm like well there's the lack of empathy for students why is it you might lose 40% on an assignment because you're what, two hours late submitting it. Like yeah. there's genuine lack in empathy of like situations as well as also like special consideration. We have special consideration at our university and it is very good, but there are just things that just don't fall underneath it. And then all of a sudden you need to be like having access to medical records or medical doctors. And um, if you have like a prolonged mental illness, you need to be like, having like a psychologist referral note and just stuff that isn't always accessible, especially to students. I, I feel like it's the abandonment factor. So here's the weird thing about being in a trade school was I was in a class with like 10 and a buddy of mine who's been friends for, we're almost fr best friends for like 10 years. He's like a brother to me, but I met him through that class. But you're in a class with like a group of 10, 15 people so you can connect, but it's for three years basically. So you're with these people every single day for three years and you connect with your teacher because you have the same teacher every day for three years. But like when I, what, the one thing I, I always said, I could never be a teacher, not only because I'm an idiot, but on the concept of when I'm talking, like if I talk to someone, I hope that we can stay in touch because I don't, we, we spent an hour or so together, but imagine every single day you're spending an hour and a half for a whole year with kids. And then they move on to the next group. The first time a teacher teaches their first year is not compared to their 20th year of doing it. They're like, I don't give a fuck what you do. Like, here's the paperwork. You don't do it fail. Cause there's no connection because you've already had your students leave. So you have to teach a whole nother group of students. It's like, um, Imagine having a baby and then they're walking and you're like, I just taught you how to walk. And we spent all this time and hours learning how to walk. And then they're finally talking. Then they move on. Then you got a, a whole nother one coming in. You can hold that up for like one or two years, but eventually you start being like, what's the point of investing in these kids? If they're going to take all the knowledge I taught them and go to another teacher, when I have to do the same thing over and over and over again, that's what also with that, the door was opened up during the pandemic to now online schooling, which I think is a giant shit show, mostly because I think they need to adjust it, though. The adjustment factor of there are kids like me that if you give me a topic or you give me some type of like guide, I will go online and I will type in every single thing. And I would like when I did online schooling for uh, like my first couple of years. And then I eventually had to go to school to take the oral speech and all those. I hate talking like in front of people. I hate that so much. Like, what is that? I thrive on it. I love it. I was a theater kid my whole life. Okay. I absolutely love performing to people. <laughs> I was like, I can do a, I did an advertisement we had to do. We, I, I lost my uh, script for it. So I had to improv everything. So like, I was just using objects around the room and they're like, A. And then the teacher was like, C. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, you didn't have anything prepared and you use other people's props. I was like, I, I winged it. I winged it. Come on. I'm good at improv. But with online schooling, there needs to be like, I feel like 
a better like kind of adjustment factor when it comes to kids like myself that are able to learn very, very quickly on their own and actually do more work when they are at home. But now it's kind of opened up this door where if you're lazy, you don't have to go to school. You can just turn on your computer and show up to class all because of uh, a virus or something that's going to keep you away. And I'm like, well, hey, there is a benefit to learning in person when you like there are kids that had to take their exams in school. You can't take those at homes because you can cheat. There are so many people like um, I know a buddy of mine has a GIF that he can put up on his Zoom call window. And then it, it's just him looking up, looking down, writing, looking up, blinking a couple of times, looking down. And it's just a GIF. He's off playing video games while his thing's doing that. And it looks like he's in class. I'm like, maybe the transition from online schooling is going to hit this era where there's going to be a lot of people looking up things that they need to look up. And I think that dives into like when I started looking about like government projects or stuff like that, I dived down the rabbit hole of like Operation Northwoods, where they were going to our president JFK at the time was going to blow up an airline, a fake airline, say a bunch of people died on it. And it was Cuba's fault just so we could invade Cuba. School never taught me that shit. They taught me the assassination of JFK, but then you're like, what? And then you start diving down deeper and then talking to people like yourself, you're able to educate yourself more, which I think I'm not saying everybody needs to start a podcast to talk to academics, but I think having recordings like this one and then other ones make it more accessible for someone that wants to connect and wants to maybe learn a little bit. I'm seeing a giant push for personal education. Hopefully it's in the correct direction. Like they're not just diving down a rabbit hole of like PETA stuff because PETA is a, a train wreck in itself, but they need to look for like good sources of information when it comes to like maybe documentaries are popping up all the time on Netflix. And I'm like, this is interesting shit. Skinwalker Ranch. I like it. Aliens. I like it. But then it causes you to look up a little bit more things because like my buddy Casper, who listens to my show, he goes, your guests say words and I have to pause it and be like, what the fuck does that mean? And I have to look it up. And it's like, there you go. It's causing you to learn a little bit just by having a normal conversation in a sense. I find the word thing that you just said really interesting because I distinctly remember my first class at university. It was actually funnily enough, my archaeology elective class that I was taking um, had this really nifty name, digging up the past and introduction to archaeology. I loved it. It was a great class. My lecturer is absolutely phenomenal and I owe a lot to him. Um, but he literally said, if you cannot speak about your research in simple language, you will not be a good academic. And not in the sense that like people who have large vocabularies are um, bad academics or anything like that in the sense that like if you make things accessible it will make people want to learn more um like accessibility and like just in general is so hard like uh if you want to access research articles or like journals and stuff like that you have to be registered to an institution or you have to pay like a hundred dollars for like maybe one volume um i was no, looking at books this is scratching yes. up on your there you go oh no sorry <laughs> um but yeah so I was looking up books today uh for my thesis and the book that I ended up choosing for one of my assessments for it um would cost me out of pocket 120 dollars 120 dollars for a book that's only like 140 pages and it's like a regular occurrence in history and archaeology I have um, a hieroglyphic textbook that I used for the past, like, I'll use it forever, probably. But it cost me $100 when I first initially bought it. And it's, like, this big. It's not that big at all. Um, 
And that's like another problem with the accessibility with archaeology and why people can't study it is textbooks are just so expensive or there's such a limited amount of them. Um, and to get them reprinted is just an exorbitant amount of money. There was a dictionary that I really, really wanted and I searched for it for like maybe six months and the lowest amount of money I could find it was 200 pounds, which in Australian dollars is about $400 and that wasn't including shipping. Um, so for like one book, but it cost me 500 bucks easily. I think I still got a bill that keeps getting sent to me every like month or so. I get a letter saying I owe $420. So I'm like fucking $420, like pay that back. But it, it was, it was for a class that I thought that was like my financial aid covered it. Cause luckily I had financial aid, which I think there's great establishments, at least in the States over here where they can pay for your schooling on a lot of things. Like when I would see, like grab the books, they're like, do you want to buy it? Or do you want to rent it? I was like, rent it how much is it to rent it they're like it's a hundred dollars to rent the book i'm like it's a fucking 100 page book and it's a i gotta get 10 of these things and they're like yeah but when i went to go pay the bill the financial aid covered it all i was like oh sweet like that's a good thing that's out there but why the hell is it so expensive is it just because then people won't damage them but i don't know a lot of academics that are throwing out these books everywhere you know they're just like throwing them in the trash or something like that mostly they sell them or they do something like that but you're putting kids in debt just on the cost of the tools to get the education. And I'm like, does that make any incentive for them to want to learn more? It's going to deter them from taking a class because the books are 400 something dollars. I would have loved to go to school and got a Greek mythology degree or some type of ancient history, something I'm fucking fascinated with it. But with encountering so many people and, you know, loving how the human mind works and studying a lot about mental illness, I was like, I fucking enjoy learning about this stuff and seeing through someone else's eyes so i took the psychology rabbit hole but that was like 800 books and i'm like oh my god fucking take my kidneys or something <laughs> i guess in like australia we're super lucky we have this thing called hex and i don't know if we've talked to many australian students um at least i guess a couple, I've, ha I've had a few students i've had more people that are like anti-scientology and um just <laughs> smokers and dopers but i like them they're fun people <laughs> I mean, anything to get an engaging conversation. I mean, I'm always up for talking to randoms um, at the bus stop, not in a creepy way, but like if they come up to me and they talk to me, um, I like to think of myself as a kind person. So I'll happily engage in a conversation with them. Yeah, be careful um, with that though. I've been at yeah, a couple be very bus careful stops with that. <laughs> where they're, like, they're leaning back, like they're on something. It's like, he's nodding out and then they'll go head first into the concrete. I'm like, what the hell was that? And they'll start freaking out and like rolling around all the place and start screaming about the devil. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I have. I have not come across that experience. However, I have grown up in an area where it's like, um, if I walked through a train station past like maybe sunset, I might get shanked. Um, but <laughs> just, just a shank, just a, <laughs> just, shank. just a shank, just normal. I don't know. That's a stereotype I'm promoting, but it's it's funny regardless. Um, but we have this thing called Hex Help at um, our university. Um, all universities across Australia actually have it. Essentially, it's the government completely pays for your uh, university upfront. So you don't have to pay anything out of pocket unless you choose to. There are plenty of people who choose to pay for like a couple of semesters out of pocket. Um, that kind of depends on the classes. Um, archaeology and history about $850 per class. And we do about four per semester. And there's about eight in total in a year. So roughly I'm paying between six and $8,000. Um, and that's just for the classes. <laughs> um, and, but that's all completely covered by the uh, government and by Commonwealth and stuff like that. Uh, 
But then as soon as we hit a certain amount of threshold, we have to start paying that back. Uh, so I think as soon as we hit like $55,000 a year, um, a portion of us like paycheck gets taken out to start paying that money that we got loaned essentially there's a little bit of interest but not like an excessive amount so like for a complete archaeology degree um for my year that started in 2019 because it's different for the people who started this year I think roughly you pay about $35,000 um but that's not including all the extra training that you have to do um paying for transport paying for living expenses if you're living out of home and so just it racks up so fast um, and then all of a sudden it just is so inaccessible and books start costing $400 out of nowhere. Um, and you just kind of sit defeated sometimes and you're kind of like, why am I pursuing this when it's just so expensive to do I, anything? <laughs> I don't even think they had an archaeology department at my college I went to. I was going to go to another college to do like get an actual like bachelor's, but mm -hmm. I was offered two choices. And the one that was closest was like, go to this one. It's like, it's a, like, I forgot what number they rattled off, but it was like, what? Like, stop real quick. Hang on a second. Go back. What? How much was that price? But then they're like, you can go to this one. It's about an hour farther away. And you'd actually be paid to go to school there. I'm like, well, fucking take that one. They're wow. like, I don't think you want to go there. And I'm like, why? I'm like, you'll be the minority. I'm like, fucking if it's free and they pay me, Bro, I'm fucking yeah. going. But oh, absolutely. I think uh, with especially like with maybe how many field trips do you go on? Like when you go to archaeology, how many spots do you go to that are like actual excavation sites like how often do you actually need the school as a facility to be in like here that's the problem um you usually have to source your own field schools so if you want to go in an archaeological excavation or site um unless the university has research that's already happening you usually have to source it yourself or you have to intern at an archaeological firm um there's plenty of them in sydney uh and then you can start getting archaeological work, um, but it's not plentiful, really. And there's the whole problem of like, uh, we're students. Um, so if there's any problems that happen, they're like the company's liable for it or like the university is liable for it. Um, my university doesn't let students go into Egypt on any digs. Uh, usually undergraduate students is like a big no-no for us. It's never really been offered from my memory. Uh, and then, but like Greece, because it's a lot more safer in like a westernized kind of sense, um, there's field schools that happen there. And then there's Israel, which also happens, but then there's a massive insurance cost that we have to pay. Um, so even though we're paying already to get a degree and also get actual like experience besides like a couple of classes where we do practicals, um, you have to pay a further amount of money to get this proper like skills. Because as much as you can like, do a theoretical class um, and it tells you yes you put the shovel into the ground and you put your foot on it and you dig up a bit of dirt congrats you theoretically know how to do it but you don't actually know how to put those skills into practice the most uh, valuable class I've ever done uh, in my degree was a third year class we had to do called field work methods and there's a class that teaches you how to practically put those theoretical knowledge to actual skills um, and it's like as simple as like mapping out a one meter by one meter box it's literally like basic things but they're so important because it's just not stuff that we get taught in classes and so then you're kind of like oh it's worth paying like the 850 dollars it cost me to do that class but then it's like 
oh, but I've only done that one class and it was only like maybe six months in total. So then you have to go to a field school for like a month and learn skills from there. And then if you want to go into a specialized area, then you have to do other field schools in that specialized area. And then it, you could easily be forking out $10,000 for like a field school. There are some that are cheaper, but then it becomes with the whole problem of like, well, if they're dodgy or they're like, um, you might be getting human traffics. And then there's a whole bunch of other problems that happen. Like genuinely, like if you say you're an archeologist in the country, there's genuinely a bit of problems that do come out of it, especially in like certain countries, not excessively, but it is known that like, it is a dangerous profession. So then it's kind of like a, well, <laughs> what will yeah. happen to me? I, I think, especially with archaeology or any type of thing that's actually like field work, you learn more when you're actually doing the work than actually learning in class, which there are some basic fundamentals you need to learn, obviously, but those are more like you need to be on the field. You need to research that. You need to deal with it. Like HVAC, for instance. When we took the class, we could have problems like fix this AC unit. Okay, it's this. But when you're walking into someone's house, it's a different effect. When you have to be on the, the job, you don't know anything about this machine. You have to learn it. You have to navigate it. It's completely different, but it's actually better education in a sense. But I think with the education system, there just needs to be a guided hand. And I know there's there's systems set in place that can help people. You don't give them a lot of like ambition to want to keep research. You make everything like the world kind of makes everything a little bit difficult for a person to be able to go and get their own classes or get the types of things you need to do to get the proper job. There's no correct gateways for it. It's kind of like if you don't have someone helping you, it's kind of like when I was a kid, we had a hurricane down here. My mom gave me $20 to run into the store and get like drinks and non-perishable foods for my 70 year old grandmother and and them so because we might be like in a car for a little while and i was like sure and i'm 12 years old i run to the store i come back with mountain dew and doritos and my mom was like what the fuck like your grandma can't eat that i'm like well, you said get food and this is what i eat well what about your grandma i got doritos it's like that no she's not she can't eat those if you need someone that when they can guide you through the education system or they can guide you through a lot of things, much like a guidance counselor is supposed to do rather than just be your friend. They're supposed to kind of walk you through everything and be like, hey, here's where this is going to lead. And the proper steps of doing this is you're going to need to do this, this, this. Here's a list. These are all the schools and numbers you can contact. I can help you set up some of these interviews, but you also have to do some of it on your own as well, too. And right now, there's just not a lot of incentive. Like when you tell a kid, hey, you got to move out. It's like, but how? It's like, you don't know how to go find your own place. It's like, you know, you never fucking taught me because now there's a whole generation of kids growing up that their parents were just trying to hold the fort down and keep their head above water, where there's a lot of kids missing in key information on how to survive and proper ways to do things where they have to Google it. And now Google has became like a second parent in a way. And it's like, this is kind of like where we need to start managing at scale about the major functions that keep this kind of world and people running in a productive way, which is not fighting on Twitter or, you know, playing video games all day, but trying to find basic establishment functions to make sure that you can keep yourself sustainable without needing other people. I think the world has been running off of, we need other people for a long time. Like talk to your friend or maybe your neighbor or someone. I think you do need to be self-sustainable in a sense, but you need guidance as well. You know, that's supposed to be a benefit of having someone to help you, not a, a reliant or necessity thing that's always there it's yeah I'm like and it kind of goes back to the conversation of like and it's something that's constantly brought up and has been brought up since I was like in primary school and the like global financial crisis happened 
um, where you're just like not taught basic living skills. You're taught how to be a critical thinker and you're taught how to like analyze things and technically think for yourself. Although I would say it's questionable for some people that I've come across. I'm um, trying. I'm trying. <laughs> no, you know, you're doing fine. I'm just other people. <laughs> um, mainly my brothers. I'm just going to call them out <laughs> um, in a really loving way, of course. Um, but like the constant argument you hear is like, how the fuck do you pay taxes? I, this is so shameful. I'm 21. I only learned how to properly pay taxes like this year. And I've been working like in like office admin stuff since I was like 14. No, younger. I'm legally 14, but like illegally younger because I'm a child of like a business owner. Um, so I grew up working as soon as I could like physically yeah. read the alphabet kind of thing. Um, and like, I don't fucking, I didn't fucking know how to pay taxes. I didn't know how to do, like, I, before I moved out the beginning of this year, I didn't know how, like, like, rent worked, how, like, getting a place worked, how to, like, buy furniture within budget and, like, how to live on a budget. I, like, my parents came from very much nothing and then, like, built this very amazing life um, over, like, the 21 years of being in Australia. And, like, they just didn't tell me because they sheltered me a lot because they didn't want me to stress out about it. But then as soon as I had to be like an adult, I didn't know how to do anything. Yeah. Um, and the school system just doesn't set you up for it. The only time I remember my school system doing anything of like life skills was in the middle of maths. Um, we had like a financial uh, part of our um, like maths education in year 11 and 12. So if you didn't do year 11 and 12 um, mathematics, you didn't have any knowledge of like how to live to a budget and uh, and like how like car insurance worked. Um, but there were people who did like the more advanced level of maths who didn't get that knowledge. And so then it's like, why is one part more educated on this part? And then like, but we're not educated as a whole. It's very infuriating. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I feel like, yeah. I mean, I don't know why we need to learn geometry and so many, we need to go deep into it. Like, yeah. Basic shapes, sure. But when it comes to like Pythagorean's theorem, I don't know when I'm going to use that in my everyday life, you know? I use it, but I do archaeology where I actually have to use it. I don't fucking need it at a gym. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it when like... What about the angle of like how you're supposed to set up equipment? Maybe you can use Pythagorean's theorem for that. It's easier for me to be able to count weights than I can count numbers. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I'm like 40, 40, RC of two places, 45 on each side. And I I could do it like that. But then when it comes to like you have the number on the thing and they put the exponent above it or they go into like the third dimension and the fourth dimension and the fifth. To this, I'm like, all right, <laughs> man, right. Look, there's too many numbers on the fucking screen. <laughs> I remember as soon as they introduced algebra to maths, I was I was a very good math person. I but I'm a, I'm a very practical math person. So if it's not to do with money or like, you know, like shapes and stuff like that, where I can put like equations to things and fill it in absolutely could not do it algebra no could not could not survive for me i remember distinctly this one test i did incredibly well in geometry and then the algebra part i failed where they had to like but i averaged out that i like could get away with not having to reset the test um but it's just it's different skills for different things it's just so confusing but the fact that it's so generalized for like high school level kids as well i was um i saw a meme of this on like Facebook 
And I was like, somebody did that in my class when I was like in ninth grade, they wore a t-shirt with all the answers on the back. Like it was printed on the actual, like part of the shirt. Like he went and got this made and he had all the answers to like the quiz or whatever on the back of this. Cause they gave him a practice quiz, which is the exact same as the actual quiz. You just have to do it, take it home, study it, look over it, find the answers. Then you got to remember it on the test. It's so easy shit, but the dude put it all on his shirt and gave it to the person behind him. So he could look at the answers for the person that needed help behind him. And I was like, the fuck like I, I saw that i saw that picture on facebook and i was like somebody did that in my ninth grade class like that's that feels so weird I, like that person deserves know. a job <laughs> <laughs> that's smart thinking um no i could okay this is so shameful the only time i've ever cheated i so my high school was uniform um and high school over here is like from the ages of like 12 to 13 to like 17 to 18 is usually what our high school kind of ages are. Um, the one time I cheated, I was 14. No, maybe I was 15. I was 15 and I was trying to get out of Japanese class because I loved, I loved Japanese. Okay. As a language, was that a requirement? I struggled. No, it was, okay. it was an elective class for me. Right. I like, I specifically chose torture. Um, I was and- like, I couldn't take Spanish. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're having me learn Japanese. <laughs> It was a requirement in year seven and year eight for us, but like by the time we got to year nine and year 10, which is like soft, uh, it's like freshman and sophomore, um, it wasn't compulsory for us to do it. We could just do it for the fuck of it. Yeah. Um, I was about 15 and I wrote the alphabet on my leg and I covered it up with my school skirt because I had a male teacher. He couldn't just be like, can you lift up your school skirt? Oh, I thought shit. I was so smart about it. Um, and I felt so guilty because I was such a good at two shoes in high school. I literally went up to him afterwards and I was like, I am so sorry. I cheated on that exam. Can I please redo it? I feel absolutely horrible as I was giving him the exam. And I like, that's like the one time I cheated and he literally like on the spot signed me off so I could get out of that class. Cause he was like, you have to sit this exam. As soon as you sit it, you can get out of this class and move on to whatever I was going on to I don't remember um but as soon as I handed it to him I was like I cheated I'm so sorry I feel absolutely horrible about it he just signed me off he was just like CML he was like have fun do you have anything (laughs) in um your educational like I guess career that was different than the normal and it actually and you you consider that more of an, an upgrade or an improvement than the others like for me for instance I was always put into side classes like called enrichment and it was like, it was supposed to be like a slower class without telling you it's slower class, but it would be like, we have normal class with everybody, but then some kids like two or three out of like a whole hall will be able to go to this special class where my class was only like four people that were in it. It was people that I know who are like very slow at reading. I wasn't, I was actually, this is back before they knew what ADHD was. They just thought I was retarded and they would throw me into a room literally with just a window. And I would sit there and stare at a white piece of paper and no, like it was just a white walls, everything. And, um, like a special one time they forgot about me, uh, during lunch and they came in at the end of the day with a lunch tray and they're like, how you doing? They tried to make me not tell my parents. I didn't, I totally like blanked it out of my head. I was like, Oh, pizza. And then, you know, ran for it. Uh, but so this enrichment class, I, they would, we would grab the book. We have to get through this book and it's like three or four kids. All the kids are like reading like very slow. Like I'm already done with the book. Basically I can read quick and it's just next thing you know, she goes, 
hey, well, you know, like, and they start talking about Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Did you know when Will Smith did the show? Then eventually, you know, the guy asked him, hey, what's your, what's your name going to be on the show? He's like, Will Smith. He goes, well, people are going to call you this for the rest of your life. So make sure it's something that you want to be called for the rest of your life. That's how people are going to know you as. And he said, well, call me Will Smith because I don't want anybody else to know me any differently. That's why Carlton, you think of him as Carlton, not Alfonso. It was a true thing. But there'll just be these talks of these deep discussions on movies or life things or, you know, situations or, and, and that's where I got a lot of knowledge where I was like, I'd come back to the class. So Rob, what'd you learn? I was like, I'm not anything that's in this fucking book. This was like fifth grade. So I was learning, like I was hit young with a lot of information where I started getting an interest in like, Hey, go pick out a book. I don't want to read Harry Potter. Can I just get something like, just get a book, Robbie. Okay. And I would run out into the library and there'd be these small, thin books with like comic illustrations. It was graphic universe. I recommend looking them up. I was like, what is this Hercules? It's like a comic book, but they would teach you religion and myths. I learned about the Aztecs, the Mayans, Greek mythology, Roman, all this type of stuff. I was like, holy shit. I'm just going to butt in really quickly. Okay. Um, did you ever have the shiny gold Egyptology book at your like library or did you own it at all? A shiny gold Egyptology book. It's if you say it to any type of archaeologist, I can promise you that they will know what I mean when I say shiny gold Egyptology book with a red gem in the middle. It is probably hands down. Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally like the literary version of like Indiana Jones. It it was such a cool memory of my childhood that I just remember. And it would be one of those things where like, I was an accelerated reader, but I would speak quite slow when I was younger because I had a speech impediment. Um, and I still slightly do every now and again, but it's not too noticeable. You sound great. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, lots of practice in musical theater. Um, genuinely the only reason why I got over my speech impediment, but my uh, like, I remember my librarian, I was really good friends with him because I loved reading and I would be in there because I had no friends at school. Um, at you know, the ripe age of 10, I had no friends. Um, and I remember walking into the area and he was like, go to the year six area. And I was like, year four. And he was like, choose a book. He was like, go ahead. You're at a competent enough level that if you read those books, you'll understand it. And I saw this bright gold Egyptology book. My little brain was like a magpie and just been like swooping in for the shiny thing. Um, Genuinely, one of the reasons why I went into like Egyptology specifically was because of that book. Um, Yeah. Uh, You asked the question of what my school was like with enrichment and stuff like that. Um, I forgot what I was talking about. I literally was just like, I cannot remember what you were talking about before I interrupted you. So I do apologize. You're good. Um, <laughs> um, it's kind of the show is just having fun. Conversation. Um, Boom. My high school was very different from a normal high school. I went to a performing arts high school. So a portion of my week was spent uh, doing music or doing drama or doing dance and stuff like that and if you were out of the area you had to actually audition to get into the school so I auditioned I got into music and drama I don't fucking know how I got into those but I got in and I stayed with that school for the next like six years of my life and that was a mistake um, but <laughs> uh, part of my school was also we had an accelerated program which I was part of so we were like accelerated by like a little bit compared to my year cohort um, so we didn't have like an enrichment for people who were slow learners. We only really kind of like recognized people who were like really fast learners or like could like really analyze things really well, had like niche interests and did excessively well in them. Um, and I like 
I remember we really shunned people who were like in the mainstream, which was the normal education standard, but we just absolutely shamed them at the ages, you know, how high school is, we're all catty. Um, we just shamed the people who like, we're at a normal level, but like at my school, if you were normal, it was bad. Cause you like, there were so many options for you to be like exceptional in music, dance, art, drama or like academics and if you were just normal you were just kind of like what's wrong with you um which was really bad in hindsight and definitely not a very encouraging environment i don't know why this made me think of that but there's um you know who yaomi park is oh vaguely she's a north korean defector yes i think so she escaped north korea but she talks about like why like everyone's like why are there like kids that are like of asian descent or asian heritage that come like they're, they're like 14 or 16 years old in college and she goes well they age mm. differently in a, like america's different age than in korea north korea your birthday is january 1st so if you're born december 31st and you're born on that day january 1st you're one years old so that's how they count it so oh. it's not really real age it's kind of like you're advanced a little bit and this is why there's this giant push there are kids that are like three when they're really two that are in a grade Mm -hmm. above and then it's just excelling forward and they always feel like they're behind so they're always constantly learning more so our level of um their level of average is our level of excelling so it's it's because they're aged they're 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 hitting things above their weight class when they should be back where their weight class is but they're going above and they're trying harder and focusing harder because they're technically older they're well they're mentally they're placed older Mm. than they are What's the cutoff for school starting for you? When does it start? Yeah, like when does school actually start for oh, you in your area? I got put in school early because my birthday is December 31st. So I was behind oh, everybody. Okay. So everybody would grow like a foot and then I would hit next year, I would grow a foot. So then I would <laughs> be catching up behind everybody. But I think it's like, um, I think you can start it at like three or four. I think it's like pre-K and then you end up going into like kindergarten and then... Mm. I think high school was the worst. So how freshmen's and seniors all together, and it's like I didn't want. I had a, I was in school, and my brother was in school. He was four years above me, so I'd see him in the oh. hallway, throw me into a locker. I was like, <laughs> I was lucky. I never went to school properly with my older brother. I did during kindy, which is like a like first year kindergarten, yeah. Um, and you can start. You start that when you're five and you're you're studying when the year you're turning six but there's cutoffs so like you were like december 31st you could start the year beforehand or something like that like you're yeah. accelerated for us it's a mix between june 30th and july 31st depending on what type of school you're going to um so there are people who were like four and a half and i was six um in my like like education system i remember someone who was turning 17 when I was already 18 and legal drinking. Um, and that was just what our education was like. But everyone who I met was who started younger was very academically brilliant. And I- Well, like, I, I'm the exception. <laughs> apparently you're the exception, but I doubt that because you're having a very great conversation right now. Um, I, I soak in information, but I think I get it better through, this is why like when I first started this show, 
I was like, I want to just do conversation, not like interview questions, because I can't think of anything. I'm kind of on the moment type person, but I soak up shit like a sponge. And that's what my teachers kind of realized. Like, yeah, if we just give you like a bunch of like films or documentaries to watch, you soak them all in. I'm like, yeah, because when you're talking to me, I can't I'm thinking about superpowers. And when I was a kid, I would always think about like there's we had a fish tank, which is like any kid in that class that has ADHD is not getting any fucking thing done. When you have a fish tank with a turtle in it, that whole entire time in math class, I was looking at that turtle. Like, imagine if you were a thousand feet tall and my teacher's like, Robbie, pay attention. I'm like, we're in fifth grade. I don't need to learn anything about Pythagorean theorem here. I'm going to go home and watch Ned's Declassified and that's it. Ned's Declassified. Okay. <laughs> it's Ned's a great show. Such a good show. I don't know enough people talk about it though. Um, because like, it just went a- away. It just went away. Yeah, it did. But it was such like a vivid, like whole memory for me in like my primary school. Cause I was like, oh my God, this is what eighth grade is going to be like for me. It fucking was not. <laughs> not <laughs> even I close. Very, I felt so ripped off. I felt like I had been like someone had ripped my heart, stamped it, and then like tried to shove it back in. And it was yeah. just like, Thought you, thought you were gonna be uh friends with the janitor and have this crazy relationship but that didn't happen no oh god imagine being friends with the um janitor were they called janitors at my school i think they were just called cleaners i think yeah yeah so usually just calls them cleaners because i think they think janitors derogatory or something um i got, I got lucky i think because my senior year by the time i well actually beginning of my or ending of my junior year to my senior year i was um in a what they would call in-school suspension class, which is like where all the bad kids go. Like I'd be in there and I'm not supposed to be in there. But what happened was when I was going up to graduate, they're like, Robbie, um, you're not going to graduate high school. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, so you're missing four math credits and you only have three available credits that you can get before the end of the year. I'm like, well, that's not my fault. You guys make my schedule. And they go, yeah, we didn't give you math for like three years. We, you should have Hey, my schedule's messed up or said something. They were trying to blame it on me. I was like, no, 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 no. You guys didn't give me math for three years. So that's why I don't like, I thought it was because I wasn't good at it. You weren't going to waste your time with it. So then, so they messed up my schedule. So they're like, we're going to put you in a class called Bridges Credit Recovery, which is just in school suspension. And I was like, okay. So I show up. There's two teachers there's the baseball coach and there's the basketball coach. And they would just sit there and like talk. And you would be literally in one desk. And you would stare at a blackboard, silence, no talking. And was, all the bad kids were in there, kids that stabbed somebody or kids that like smoking cigarettes in the bathroom or something. I was the only good one that it wasn't doing anything crazy, you know, in school. I would do it outside of school. And I was sitting there at my desk. They're like, Robbie, you're not supposed to be in here. So you can do whatever you want, man. As long as you show up, you get an A. And I'm like, so, so I would just go on my phone and I would look up like, uh, like I, I was really into building a pond. I ended up building a pond and I would just look at different styles of fish. I could rattle off so many different fish and tell you all about them. If they go together, if they don't go together, all because I was doing research in this class, just doing stuff for when I get out of school, you know, on my phone, playing a game or something. And eventually the teacher was like, Rob, you just want to take a walk around class or like take a walk around school. I'm like, yeah. Um, so I go to the bathroom or something. He's like, yeah, you've been in here for like an hour or so just go take a walk. And I'm like, uh, do I need to come back? And they're like, no, just take a long walk and i was like okay and i just wouldn't come back like that was it that's so different how your schedules work where you like get assigned like certain credits and stuff like that Um, whatever you needed they would put you in yeah no see it's so different in australia we have like set hours of each class that we have to do like everyone in the state does the exact same thing basically um there's no difference in like counties or like regions that you're in you do the exact same thing as like another school would um, so like you would do, 
history, geography, a language, uh, math, English, science, and like electives if you went to like a fancy enough school and you would also do music, drama, and dance in like year seven, year 10, uh, year seven and year eight, sorry. Um, and like home ec as well. Home economics is such a good class. I love that class. That's um, that cooking? was just a side note. Yeah, cooking and sewing. We made dog food in our cooking class once. It was called puppy chow, yes. but it was just chocolate, like Chex-Mex style food. It wasn't really dog food. And I remember I was, this is when I took it in ninth grade. So I was like my ninth, 10th and 11th. I don't really remember a whole lot because mm. I would just get blasted high. Um, it wasn't my choice. Okay. I'm just going to put that out there. I had a family member that was like, let's smoke weed. And I was like, okay. And then I would smoke too much and then try not to have a panic attack. But I remember- <laughs> we were cooking something in the oven and you're like, Rob, grab it out of the oven. And I just like, okay. And I opened up the oven and I grabbed it and it was in there at four fifty. And I went, I mean, like grabbed the whole tray out, pulled it out. But and just I was bare hands. Yeah. Just bare hands. Fuck. And then like my buddy stopped me, Rob. And I like grabbed it and he called, said, Rob, I was like, what? He's like, you don't have oven mitts. I was like, huh? And then I dropped it. Like it took a minute for the pain to hit me. And I fucking dropped it. I was like, ow. He's like, dude, how high are you? I'm like, very, very, very oh. high. <laughs> No, I, I loved home ec. I actually did home economics in uh, my elective years in year nine and year 10. Um, I loved it. It was such a good class. I like thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and like, yeah, I just like have very good memories. I also have memories of like burning my leg with just a boiling pot of water. That was it. Nothing else. Just just a boiling pot of water. I just like tipped it and like burned my I leg. I can't even cook today. <laughs> I blew up a bag of rice in my microwave. That's only, it's 90 seconds. You're supposed to put it in there. I put it in there for a minute and a half, which is 90 seconds. It yeah. blew up. So like you got to open you up the put, bag. put like a little hole? No, okay. it didn't. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, no. slice the hole. It's should be I'm fine. a fitness guy. All I eat is like lettuce or cans of tuna or like a protein shake. So like going into the- What about the... chicken? It's, isn't it like the like yeah, is like I rice and an... chicken is like your thing? A stovetop is easy. Using the microwave, mm. I was like, everything I was, I didn't know like the bags of rice. I don't even know how to cook mashed potatoes. And I, we're not going to get into that because then it's going to make me look horrible on this show. <laughs> but I've <laughs> talked about it before when I, when I, you can go back like at least a hundred, 200 episodes. There's a point where I learned how to use the oven for the first time to make chicken. And I just would not stop talking about it. I'm like, I fucking put it in for two hours and I would do a podcast. <laughs> and everyone's like, you would hear my oh. oven timer go off. And I'm like, I got to get my chicken. It was great talking to you. Then I would end it and then run out. Oh my God. My um, friend is very similar to you. She cannot cook for the life of her. She's also 23, actually. Um, incompetent cooking. Incompetent. I love her so much. Laura, if you're listening to this, I love you with all my heart. Um, for her birthday, we literally made her a how to cook guide. There's like my friend group, we met like a couple of years ago. There's about like nine of us in total. Um, all of us got together and sent recipes that was super easy. And then we like did like how to like cook things super basic it was like how to know if a chicken is cooked because she does this insane thing where she just constantly slices up the chicken breast until she's like 100 percent sure that it's all white and then it's like usually dry as like heck by the time that she's eating it um i like it burnt. and that's like i have you tried like a sugar oh wait you don't know how to cook i was gonna say if you try like a sugar <laughs> I was going to say, if you try like a sugar crust um, chicken breast, where you like, you have like a sugar in the dry rub, it like caramelizes it and makes it kind of burnt and it tastes really good. Um, and it's like I, a very common thing in my like background to like I, do that type of rub. I just put it in the oven, put it in there <laughs> for 400 or 450. And then I put it in there for two hours and then I go do something and come back. And it's usually like, like 
really, really like black or something. That's good, man. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you at least salt and pepper it. Do you at no. least season it? What? What? Do you like mayo too? Yes, I do. That's a what? See, that's so. It's I don't even. Want I'm to say not it's a, purely it's a white, white though. It's a white person thing. People I'm are like not purely white. I, I get yelled I'm at. Mixed. They go. They go. You're white. I bet you like mayo. And I'm like, I I fucking hate mayo. I think mayo's disgusting. They're like, I, and you salt your foods too. I'm like, I don't like to salt anything. I just like it. I just want it when it's made, and that's it. Is that okay? Do you not like put on any seasoning? Not even like no. paprika or I eat like, a anything like that. Can of tuna a day. I might throw some paprika in it, depending. But I used to dump hot sauce on everything. And then my okay, doctor's but, like, hot sauce is like out. valid. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, hot sauce is like, yeah. yeah, I love sriracha. I have like three different types of sriracha in my fridge right now. I, I have, have like sriracha and mayo. I have hot <laughs> sauce sponsors. And I don't eat hot sauce anymore. So it's like, they're just friends. <laughs> I'm like, like chilling in the background. Yeah. I, I just, I, look, they're good products. I'll promote them. But at the same time, I'm just, when it comes to food, I look at it as a chore. You got to get it out of the way, then get onto the main things. Cause it's just like right now I'm probably going to end up eating before, you know, I, whatever crank out or go to bed, but it, it's a chore. It's, I don't want to be in the kitchen. Like when people spend hours and hours, like I made up roast all day. I was like, that sounds fucking exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I it's so different because I grew my like culture is very food orientated because you cook to show love um essentially so I'm I like I don't see food what cooking culture like sure I'm part Samoan oh, okay Hawaii yeah yeah my cousin oh. um well my cousins live in Hawaii they speak pidgin I can't understand what they say yeah very similar culture very like still very different and it's kind of like when you break it down kind of thing but yeah so like we cook to show love at least that's what my mom taught me growing up because she's the like mixed Samoan in our like family. Um, and so like, I always like saw cooking as like something to like show love to like my, like my dad and my mom and like, like my brothers. Um, and I love cooking and I cook for all my friends. I have a real knack now of whenever I'm stressed, I make dumplings from scratch. Um, and I'll just sit for hours folding dumplings just because I'm having a panic attack. That's literally all I do. But I love cooking. And I think cooking is like a very relaxing thing if you're not cooking for a million people. Because as soon as you start cooking for more than like three people, then it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I used to live in a full share apartment. Um, and like the couple of times I did cook for my roommates, would never do it again. Absolutely hated every second of it. <laughs> probably the easiest person to cook for. Actually, people fuck it up more. Actually, I might be more difficult because people actually mess it up more when they start putting a bunch of stuff on it. Like I seasoned it with this. I'm like, just plain, plain, just fucking like people like a cheese pizza. I'm that I'm that guy. I I'm love like, cheese pizza. Though. Plain. Just they're like, well, I made you a chicken. I'm like, what'd you put on? Well, we cooked it in oil. We cooked, I'm like, there's the spray. Just put the spray in the pan. Put the chicken on there. That's were it. you a picky eater by any chance when you were younger? No. Really? I ate a lot. I would assume you were. I would yeah. assume you're a picky eater if that's how you like enjoy your food genuinely. I'm I just know, like, simple. Judgment. Like my grandma is like all this big extravagant. Like we got to cook you all these different pies and these things. I'm like, just what'd you do to the chicken? She's like, well, I seasoned it and then I cooked it in this and then I soaked it in this. And then I also had a rub on this. And I'm like, just fuck. It's pull it out of the bag freezer put it on a pan and then cook it i appreciate it but now i don't want to eat it because it tastes funny and she's like mm. well, you like things like basically just plain i'm like yeah 
and you know it's bad when I put ketchup on it. My dad makes hot dogs, and like they'll be burnt to shit. And he's like, Ooh. "I know my food's bad when you start putting ketchup on it." And I'm like, "Yeah, man, that's <laughs> fucking, I'm just eating ketchup my, um, at this point." <laughs> my dad's. Oh, you know what's bad? The food was bad with my dad when he brings out crackers and cheese after dinner. Um, <laughs> he's got to like, clean it. <laughs> that was like our like uh, our like thing as kids where we knew dad did not enjoy dinner, but didn't want to insult mom or like which one of us had cooked or he's a good he man. didn't want to yeah or he didn't want to admit that. He he fucked up dinner um so <laughs> he would make like crackers and cheese or like vegemite and cheese um oh. what was that reaction vegemite oh vegemite's so good that's a that's i'm not a- just and i'm not just saying it as like a i was born in australia kind of thing i prefer promite but vegemite is good i have like a couple of jars in my cabinet right I've now i've had it once when i was like little and i was like i don't think i want to eat that ever again how did you have it though did you have it with like a spoon yeah like just- a heathen Regular. No, that's not how you have it. Oh. You you have it on like a piece of bread or crackers and you put butter on it first and then you put like an even spread of Vegemite and that's how you eat it. I haven't that's had like, bread in five years. <laughs> are you gluten intolerant or are you just not a bread just, person? I'm a fitness guy. Bread's just like, cut that out. Oh, cut it that out. makes sense why you don't know how to make mashed potato either then. Yeah, uh, yeah, it came out like clam chowder. I was like, damn. Because it was too water, I guess. I didn't. They're like, mm-hmm. just dump it in the thing and put this amount of water in. I'm like, okay, boil it. And they're like, stir. And then I was doing that and it came out like clam chowder. I was like, it's so runny. So I tried to freeze it and then I froze it. That worked. Oh, no. But then when I pulled it out, it was like, oh, okay, this is like normal. And then it, you got to freeze it again. And you got to mm-hmm. keep doing it over and over again. Eventually it just becomes tasking. Where I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting Taco Bell. Now I haven't had fast food in a long time. Yeah. No, it's, I find mashed potatoes like very easy. If you boil potatoes, Dump out all the water, pour in a little bit of milk and a bit of butter. A bowl of cereal, I'll be all right. <laughs> bowl of cereal. Milk and cereal, that's it. No, no milk, no milk. Just no dry milk? cereal, dry cereal. I feel like that's a very odd snack. I'm have. telling you, you guys make it more complicated. I'm simple. <laughs> Just give me the box and that's it. I don't, I'll eat handfuls. No, <laughs> there's a certain way and system but I feel like intrinsically, I have to say this to you. Please have it with milk. Or like I used to, but not anymore. Wow. Because milk costs money. Like, that is so true. I'm lactose intolerant, so I buy non-dairy milk. It is like four dollars for like a one liter carton. It's yeah, ridiculous. That's how they get you. That's uh, how they get you. I'm a, I'm a budget guy. I'm like a budget guy. So I'm like, mm. I I got money, but I just need to. I don't like using you it. Splurge on certain items, though. No, and that's actually a uh, few people have like. Look, you're not. If you're not happy, you need to like treat yourself. I'm like, I, fuck no. This was the treating myself, and this cost me like ten dollars. And I'm like, that's <laughs> that's too much money. Like, I don't do anything fun. I like to keep my money, work, podcast. Pay- I started painting, but then they're like, they jacked up the prices to canvases, and I was like, oh hell no, I'm done with that hobby. Done with that hobby. All right. What like okay? Do you pay for like subscriptions for like uh like streaming services? No, I'm I don't watch TV really anymore. I've only recently gotten back into it because I'm procrastinating university more. Um, I watched my a- grocery bill go up twenty dollars <laughs> after like all the groceries went up, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Like, well, yeah, every no. price went up on everything by like a dollar, and I was like, "So now I need to budget, so I need to cut items out of my all I get's rice." And I get a couple of things. It shouldn't be 50 something dollars. 
And they're like, well, sorry, that's man, true. that's just inflation. I'm like, well, guess what? I'm not going to fucking eat then. How about that? Then when I die, it's <laughs> your fault, your fault. And I'm walking out of the store pointing at him, your fault, your fault. You're really sticking it to the man by just becoming a stick, huh? I'm making my life hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got to say. Jesus. No, I. I I'm a prideful person. I'm very prideful. Mm. I'm also it's, stubborn. I was about to say, I was like, I feel like the wanting to only eat plain food is a very stubborn kind of thing for you. I've just gotten so used to it now. It's like people are like, don't you like a nice chocolate? I was like, I haven't had it in so long. I don't, I don't have, you lose the craving after six months. So yeah. it's like whenever I, I want something with sugar in it, you just freeze grapes and it's like eating something chocolate. It's so good. Or like watermelon. Watermelon is very good. Um, what was that face? <laughs> haven't had that in a long time really yeah it's like it's not summer for me in australia until i like buy a watermelon um, i don't i don't have these foods unless someone buys them and then i'm in the area and i'm really? like yeah i'll try a piece but because when my grocery list never changes it's cans of mm. tuna or i'm ordering protein shake stuff and i'm getting like lettuce it's the same thing every time They're like you're here again let me guess and they guess my thing i'm like yeah that's what i'm gonna get every single time i go to the store i'm not that person that strolls through the i would like to be with someone that yeah. is like that, sure. But I'm not doing that myself. If somebody wants yeah. to cook and have a great meal, go ahead. But I'm so easy to please. Where it's just like, here's a fucking pretzel. I'm like, awesome. Did you want salt on it? Hell no. <laughs> oh my God. I, this is, you're probably going to absolutely hate this if you're like, oh, I don't deviate off my thing and I don't like salt. Um, salting watermelon as like a snack. <laughs> Did you, wait, did you put mustard on it too? And that trend was coming? No. Oh my God. No. Okay. That I saw everyone doing that. I was like, heathen. that's, that's devil's magic. Having mustard is not very a common thing in Australian households, at least that I've come across. In my it's like peanut butter. Households. Peanut butter is very common. I will say that. I Jelly? We call it jam. Okay. One of my buddies from Australia was telling me like, oh, peanut butter and jelly. That's disgusting. Oh, Steve, we don't listening. have that at all. Like, that's not a thing for us to have as like kids. Like, and uncrustable, you know you're like, uh, you're making me fucking hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're eating after. I actually haven't had dinner, so this is. I'm also very hungry. I'm probably gonna make dumplings. Um, I'm just gonna make a little can of tuna, and that's about it. A can of tuna, not two minutes. This time. Yours is like an hour. <laughs> no, I have pre-made dumplings. I'll just chuck it in a. There you go. That's too yeah. much already. They're pre-made. Did you buy them from the store like that, no, or did I you made make them? them? I made them. That's like two days ago. You were spending an hour making dumplings for today. I'm like, that's a crock pot cooking. When they're like, just put it in the crock pot. <laughs> you get it in a couple of hours. I'm like, but I want it now when I'm hungry. I is like when I want cookies. It. It's because, okay. Because like context, some of my shifts can sometimes go for like nine hours. Like I'll be gone from like 7 a.m. until like 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So like putting on a slow cooker is very convenient because it means I don't have to do anything fucking else when I get home. Um, I just gotta get a bowl and what about fires. Oh, well, like we have timers. There's I don't leave anything like that. Like even when I do the chicken in the oven, when I smell that, I smell smoke. I'm like, okay, I gotta end this podcast to be able to go open up my. You'll you'll hear yeah. if you look back at my episodes. There's points where I was like, I need to, I need to <laughs> pause this. I need to go get my chicken because I, I would leave it in there for like two hours. I would do a couple recordings back to back, and I would totally like forget two about two hours it. is too long to put a chicken in the oven. Probably, but. 
I also like when I leave the house, I don't want anything on. I want everything off. That means stove. Hmm. Like I freak, like I never used the stove because I was always told as a kid that I would burn the house down. So, and I would, and we had a, I knew a couple people who their house burned down because of a stove thing. So I just never wanted to learn how to use it. And then I never did. And then when I was, I also don't know how to tie my shoes. What? <laughs> did you not hear it? Did you not hear it? No, no, no. I had it. I'm just okay. in disbelief that you like actually just announced that. I know how to do it, but they're never coming unknotted ever again. Are you like a slip on person? Yeah. Like you just slip. I, so I own exclusively docs. I, I raised myself. Have, what can I say? <laughs> I own docs. I own a lot of docs. And most of the time it's like a, like I own the platform one. So it's like, it's all tied already. You just got to zip up the zipper. Mm. Um, <laughs> so like, I get what you mean, but I also like, have shoes that i have to tie the shoelace for i can tell you all about the political elites but if you ask me to cook a microwave bag of rice you're fucking asking the wrong person <laughs> it's so interesting what people like have very good knowledge of and don't have very good knowledge of i have a friend who is absolutely exceptional at shakespeare um to the point where she's like our resident like drama type like if anyone does like a shakespeare production um at my university if she's not on the fucking pitch then it's like it's not getting in kind of thing um like she's like known for being Shakespeare person um and it's just always interesting but like but she jumped off a roof and broke her foot Jesus Christ <laughs> and I'm calling her out I'm just calling her out for it as well um she alive she, she oh yeah she's alive okay. she broke three bones in her foot or something like that and was like on crutches for like four months um was not a fun time for her I remember taking her out to brunch one day and it took us like tw 20 minutes from the car park to like the actual restaurant to get there because she just had to like keep stopping because it was like very fresh on the crutches um yeah I vividly remember her sending me a message being like I just jumped off the roof of my um house trying to break into it because she left her key inside the house and then her okay. mom came five minutes later there's the backstory. I should have preluded with the backstory. Um, I have a very bad habit of. Not I just thought she was text. depressed. My friend jumped off a roof. I was like, Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> it wasn't because of the depression. <laughs> it was just because she's uh, she is impatient, is what she is. But yeah, she's exceptionally talented in Shakespeare, but uh, can't stick a landing of jumping off a roof. Well, Mel, look, we've almost been talking for an hour and a half. Wow. Is there a place where people can find you? I would like to have you back on if you're willing to come back on the show. And just <laughs> Absolutely. But where's is, is just your Twitter? You got Instagram, anything like that? I do. Okay. Um, my Instagram is uh, Mel Applin, Applin like the Pokemon, um, with a little underscore after it. Um, so M-E-L-A-P-P-L-I-N underscore. Um, and then I have my Twitter, which is my last name, which is A-P-P-L-I-N underscore. What Pokemon is Applin? It's, this is just a recent discovery that I've come across in the past, like, two years, I think. Um, it's a little, uh, like, dragon. <laughs> it's an apple dragon. Um, is it a new so one? It's a new one. It's one of the part of the new generations. God damn it. Um, <laughs> I, know. I got, like, I, I know, like, 900 of them, but I can't freaking get the other one. Yeah, so it's um, a little apple dragon that turns into like two versions of it. One of them is like this weird little apple dinosaur. The other one is the other. They got like, lazy with version. the game. They got they lazy really as shit. <laughs> There's one fish on there called Wishy Washy. I'm like, you guys aren't even fucking trying anymore. <laughs> it's. I would love to continue this conversation, but you did want to leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd happily, 
I will happily come back and join this podcast. This was a lot of fun. Well, Mel, I appreciate you for doing the podcast and thanks for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank.